Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. This is Asked and Answered. Questions. With Tom Opferman and Steelers Digest editor Bob Labriola. Labs, it appears like a phoenix rising out of the ashes. Mason Rudolph might be finding his way back to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Going to be visiting the team. A lot of reports that he will sign a contract with the Steelers. And the biggest question on my mind, and I think everybody's mind out there, Labs, is Tanner Morgan's number two now. What the hell are they going to do about this? They can't have Mason Rudolph come in and take Tanner Morgan's number. Well, I thought the biggest question was how can that uh, idiot who writes ass and answered be so wrong about this? Because he's been <laughs> writing for months that uh, that that relationship was over. I tried to move and, past you know, the labs. Forget well, about it. Well, well, I'm you know, <laughs> hey, I, I this is people ask me what I think, I tell them what I think, and uh, I'm wrong a lot. Just you know, this just then, and this is a, a fine example of that. Uh, I was when uh, when I first heard about this, I was shocked. I mean, not so much that the Steelers would want to do this, but that Mason Rudolph would want to do this. And I'm sure, well, I'm not sure, but let let me put it this way: It seems to me, based on the way this was going, that he or his representatives had to reach out to the team. Again, I don't know this. This is just my, you know, backseat driving of this whole um, situation. You know, that Mason Rudolph is going to meet with the team. You know, by the time a lot of you hear this, that may have already happened. Uh, and, you know, what I understand is it's going to be a one-year contract. Mitch Trubisky is going to be the backup. This is not a, you know, sign Mason uh, cut Trubisky to save money move or, you know, any of that kind of stuff that I'm sure that is percolating in the minds of, you know, a lot of Steelers fans. Uh, but this is not any kind of, this is, this is just adding, you know, Mason to the bottom of the depth chart. And from the Steelers point of view, um, you know, I'll do respect to Tanner Morgan and the other guy who was at the, at the um, rookie mini camp tryout camp, and, you know, Nick Foles or whoever else um, <laughs> might be lurking out there unemployed. You know, this is clearly um, the best move for the, the, the Steelers and this 2023 team because, you know, there are – it's rare when you're, you're going to need a third-string quarterback, but if you do, having one that is, you know, familiar um, with the offense, is familiar to the team – a lot of the team is familiar with him. Uh, you know, it, it's it creates a, again, as I said, trying to win games with your th number three quarterback is a low percentage proposition in the NFL. But when you have a guy who has started and won games for you, uh, a veteran in the league, uh, a starter in the league, um, you know, that increases your chances, I guess, Uh by what percentage, I have no idea. 
Uh, I'm sure the Mason Rudolph haters are going to come out of the woodwork <laughs> now, but um, to hate on I a third said, string quarterback. <laughs> well, it, hey, it is it is the Steelers and it is <laughs> the quarterback position. So, yeah, I remember. I'm back into the Chuck Noll days, hating on the third string quarterback. We're right. loving the third string quarterback, depending upon how many games that third string quarterback had, had actually played. So, um, you know, as I said, mea culpa for being so wrong about that to everybody. And let me just tell you, I will not accept any <laughs> chortling. Um, uh, cause I said, I did my mea culpa just now. And, um, you know, like I said, good move by the Steelers. And I'm, I'm, I'm still kind of shocked a little bit that it's happening. Well, not everybody has the guts out there like you do to admit that you were wrong because a lot of people were wrong about this. I don't think anybody saw Mason Rudolph working his way back to the Steelers. And kind of like you were alluding to, this might be a happy surprise for the Steelers as well. You know, I don't want to say that they were uncomfortable with Tanner Morgan, but I'm sure they're a lot more comfortable like you were alluding to with Mason being back in the fold potentially. It's just shocking to me that there wasn't anything else out there for Rudolph. And that's speculation on my part, but it kind of feels like you read the tea leaves and that seems to be the case if he's working his way back here. Yeah, I mean, if he had something else, why wouldn't he go there? Yeah, exactly. Um, So, again, as I said, I don't know this for a fact. It just seems to me that if you're looking to try and figure out the most likely thing pieces that had to fall into place for this to happen one of them would be that you know he really didn't have anything else or certainly let me say it this way he didn't have anything else that he was excited about even a little bit well mason rudolph's visit to the steelers wasn't the only one or potential visit that got steelers nation pretty excited jj watt a little bit ago alluded to maybe wanting to, you know, come around the facility, just hang out with Tomlin, hang out with TJ and his brothers, just, you know, get the lay of the land now that he's retired. Well, a lot of Steelers fans took that as, oh boy, J.J. Watt's coming back, suiting up for the black and gold. He's going to play with his brother. This is going to be great. J.J. kind of squashed that yesterday, didn't he, Labs? Yeah, he tweeted uh, something to the effect, and again, I'm paraphrasing, uh, I'm not going to be playing, you know, for the Steelers. (laughs) Uh, this year, the Steelers. I mean, <laughs> just well, I mean, because I'm sure that that's, uh, you know, that's uh, probably the, the the primary link, you know, to him coming back would would have right. been coming back to the Steelers, uh, it would because of his brothers, uh, and really <laughs> he has two other brothers in the NFL, but only one of them is actually signed to an NFL that's contract true. for 2023. People kind of overlook that too, assuming that. You know, Derek Watt was going to, um, you know, be re-added to the roster. Maybe if J.J. said he'd only come back if Derek was signed, too. <laughs> just the scenarios out there were just too too ridiculous and plentiful for me to even try and, um, you know, list them all. But, you know, to me, this the J.J. Watt thing was a fantasy, you know, from the very beginning. I mean, it wasn't so much that, you know, the the – re-signing Derek or finding a place for him, you know, to reunite the three brothers. But, you know, J.J. Watt had a serious health issue last year. Um, You know, last September, he had a a heart arrhythmia um, that doctors will call atrial fibrillation. 
uh, and he had to have his heart shocked back into normal rhythm. And by shocked, I mean, you know, with the paddles. Um, and he, you know, J.J. Watt, uh, and he did a, a press conference last uh, October the 2nd after their game against Carolina when he talked about, you know, what happened. And what had happened to him was, you know, the previous Wednesday. And, mm. you know, this, this, was, this was some of J.J. Watt's quotes from that news conference. I talked to cardiologists and electrophysiologists from all over the country. I was assured multiple times by multiple people that there was nothing else to do, go back and do like normal. It could happen again the next day or it could happen never again in 20 years. <laughs> okay, let's flip a coin I on mean... the heart thing. Um, but here's, an, here, here's more what from that press conference. I've had surgeries before, I've had injuries before, and I've never been nervous for any of them. I've never been scared of anesthesia. I've never been scared of surgery. I've never been scared of pain. But when they told me they were going to put me out, meaning under uh, anesthesia, and shock my heart, I was scared. <laughs> me too. Imagine that. You know what, I mean? <laughs> um, what a coward for some... being scared about that. Oh. <laughs> And here's, you know, some of J.J. Watt's real-life, you know, situations. I mean, on October 24th, which was, you know, three weeks after um, he had that news conference, his wife, he and his wife had their first child, a baby boy. Okay, so when he was doing this press conference, his wife was, you know, significantly along in her pregnancy. What do you think she would have thought of that? J.J. going back to play with his brothers. I mean, here's some more things. You know, he's earned probably right around $131 million during his NFL career. Okay? So, um, he's 30, 34, 12 seasons, 8,400 NFL snaps on his body. He's going to make the Hall of Fame in the near future. So, he's going to put all of that on the line to play in the same on the same NFL team as his two brothers. You know, uh if they want to get together, you know, holidays, you know, whatever, take a vacation together in the summer. Um, there's other ways you can spend time with your brothers besides what I think maybe putting your life at risk. Uh, and again, this isn't a guy who, who needs this to validate his career or needs this for the money or, you know, as I said, he's, he's a hall of famer in waiting. He could, you think he could get a job with a network? I don't know. Not just you know, that, lad. I can um, see this guy hosting like a game show one day. Like he'd be out there on Let's Make a Deal. Like he's got so much charisma. He ain't going to be hurting for work or endorsements at all. Well, and you know, I'm a big Michael Strahan fan. The guy's on Good he's Morning America, yeah. right? I mean, J.J. Watt, if he decided or chose, you know, to pursue that path, I'm sure that you know, I'm not saying he could best. Uh, Strahan for the you know TV gigs that the guy has. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. But I mean, I don't really, I don't think he'd have to, um, you know, be doing 
podcasts out of his basement either. <laughs> so yeah, the JJ Watt thing that never really made any sense to me. And um, as we can probably put this to rest now, because as I've said to you many times, what if it's on the internet, it has to, it has be, to true. be true. Yeah, that's a hundred percent true. Especially I, if it's Twitter. I think I read that on the internet first. So yeah, that, <laughs> that, that checks out. Maybe when uh, Derek and TJ are done, the Watts can host their own morning show, show, right? Like wake up with the Watts or something like that. And that could be them playing together post career. And I'll tell you what, I think that would be an outstanding oh, thing yeah. for you to produce. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they'd pay me a lot more than this podcast does. All right, let's get right to our questions today. Our first one comes from James Williams from Pittsburgh, California, and he asks, why wasn't Cordell Stewart the starting quarterback in Super Bowl Thirty? Okay, Super Bowl Thirty came at the end of the 1995 season. And in 1994, the Steelers had advanced to the AFC Championship game, and had one of what I believe the one of the worst uh, playoff losses in franchise history when they lost. They were a double-digit favorite, and they lost to San Diego 17-14 uh, to 14, uh, in an incomplete pass on fourth and goal from the three-yard line in the final minute of the game, okay? Um, Cordell Stewart was not on the 94 team. He was the th- second-round pick of the Steelers in the 1995 draft, which came, you know, some months later. So when you looked at the depth chart, <clears throat> the quarterback depth chart for 1995, it included veterans Neil O'Donnell and Mike Tom Tomzak, and you know both of them had uh, were pedigreed NFL starting quarterbacks, uh, and then there was also second year pro Jim Miller on that roster. Now O'Donnell and Tomzak were going into their final seasons in '95, so coming out of that training camp. Bill Cowher kept four quarterbacks because, you know, there was no guarantee that they were going to be able to re-sign both of their top two guys on the depth chart, okay? And then, so you have two guys with uh, NFL starting experience plus a second-year pro. Uh, You're not going to turn the, the team over to a rookie quarterback. And so what ended up evolving that year is, you know, part of Steelers' lore is that an injury at wide receiver left the Steelers uh, in, in short at that position for practice. They went to Cordell Stewart. Bill Cowher did. They asked him if he would you know, fill in there to help the team. Stewart said, yeah. And shortly into that little experiment, uh, you know, they're watching practice and then watching you know, the video of practice. And they're looking at nobody can cover this guy. And so then he became um, you know, part of the offense. That uh, morphed into the phenomenon known as Slash. And, uh, you know, Cordell Stewart ended uh, up contributing to that 1995 AFC Championship as Slash. Pete Gatos from Charleston, West Virginia asks, before trading for a player such as wide receiver Allen Robinson, do the Steelers ask any of their players who may have played with that individual or have any personal knowledge about that player? As in this case, quarterback Mitch Trubisky played with Robinson in Chicago. Yeah, um, you know, the whole asking uh, current players for, you know, opinions on things, whether it's, you know, trades or, you know, whatever it might be, um, happens. I won't say it's something that happens all the time. Uh, And I also would say that it depends on the player 
and his status, you know, within the, the makeup of the team, how much that opinion is weighed. Um, and so in the case, this specific um, uh, case that Pete is bringing up, uh, I think it's fair to point out that um, uh, Trubisky was the Bears' starting quarterback in three of the seasons when Allen Robinson was a starting receiver there as well in Chicago. And in those three seasons, Robinson caught 255 passes, 12.4-yard average per catch, and 17 touchdowns. And he also played almost 2,700 offensive snaps. So those two guys had a fairly significant you know, on-field rapport. Um, I'm sure that um, Trubisky was consulted about Allen Robinson, but, uh, you know, as Mike Tomlin has explained, they remembered Allen Robinson from uh, the pre-draft process, you know, investigation process, evaluation process that they did before the draft where Allen Robinson entered the NFL. So that was also, you know, a significant factor in, um, you know, completing this trade. But yeah, I'm sure Trubisky was asked about it. I won't say it was the I wouldn't say that it was the turning point, but, you know, he was heard. They didn't need the Trubisky stamp of approval before they put the, the trade through. Well, I'll bet you it didn't hurt. Right. It didn't hurt. I mean, if he would have if he would have come out and said, boy, what a jerk or, you know, right. whatever, right. and really hated the guy and had some specific examples of, you know, malfeasance or, you know, uh, professional malpractice or, you know, any of that stuff. None of that happened, of course. But I'm sure that would have been considered as well. Roger Schaefer from Plum, Pennsylvania asks, Flashing back to the Steelers in the 1970s, I often wondered what it would have been like to be a guard on the opposing team and know that every time your center snapped the ball, Ernie Holmes was going to head slap you as hard as he could. Was Holmes the reason this was outlawed? Um, actually, no, even though Ernie Holmes and his physical presence in the middle of that line of scrimmage was a significant um, asset to the steel curtain and to the Steelers defense of, you know, in the seventies, the part of the seventies before Holmes was, uh, traded, but, um, the NFL outlawed the head slap in 1977. And the guy considered the primary practitioner of that tactic was Deacon Jones, um, 14 NFL seasons, primarily for the Los Angeles Rams, a five time first team, all pro, a Hall of Fame inductee. Um, so Deacon Jones, when, when, if you go back in NFL history and want to uh, associate the head slap with a particular player, it would be Deacon Jones, not Ernie Holmes. But I won't, I would imagine that Ernie Holmes, uh, when he hits you in the head, uh, that hurt. Oh, I mean, the film that you watch from back then is just so violent, but the head slap really epitomizes just how different the sport was in the seventies to today. <laughs> Well, and I'm here to tell you, I mean, I've spoken to uh, people who were very closely associated with the 1970 Steelers, and they will say, a couple of them that I respect a lot have said that there were a couple of years that Ernie Holmes was the best defensive lineman that the Steelers had. And just think about that <laughs> yeah, for a minute. Yeah, it's high praise. Yes. 
Steve Castanero from Apex, North Carolina, has our final question today, and he asks, if the 1974 draft class is considered the Steelers' best draft class so far in franchise history, what class is considered number two? Um, okay, the 74 draft class, just to recap for anyone who might not be aware, that's the one where the Steelers drafted four Hall of Fame players in the first five picks, Swan, Lambert, Stallworth, and Mike Webster. And then they added a fifth Hall of Famer as an undrafted rookie, Donnie Schell. Um, that, to me, is not in debate. Uh, the number two draft class. Not even with 2023's uh, draft class? Are you sure? Uh, people were pretty <laughs> well, high on that, I mean. Five more, five more <laughs> minutes, and then we'll see. Um, Fair. But uh, uh, the number two draft class, uh, this is my opinion of it. Um, I, I would I would give it to the 1971 class. Um, now you could make a case for 70, 1970 because that class, you know, you had a Terry Bradshaw and a guy named Mel Blunt, a couple of decent picks, uh, significant pieces in that dynasty of the 70s, first ballot Hall of Fame selections. Okay, but I'm going to give it to 1971 on volume, and. Um, the, the first with their first six picks in 1971 the Steelers added five players uh, Frank Lewis Jack Ham Jerry Mullins Dwight White and Larry Brown okay those uh, five guys combined to win 18 Super Bowl rings during the 71 draft overall uh, the Steelers drafted seven players and those seven combined to win 24 Super Bowl rings so, um, in addition to those five guys I previous mentioned from uh, 71, the other two, Ernie Holmes, who we've talked about, he was an, an eighth-round pick, and Mike Wagner was a, a pick in the 11th round. So, you know, look at those names. Uh, remember um, who a lot of the key players are in those four Super Bowl teams of the 70s. And um, it's not 1974, but you get a haul like that in a draft class. That's a, a pretty significant um, group and one that should be celebrated. Yeah, the Steelers were pretty decent at drafting back in the 70s. So yeah, not bad. They weren't terrible yeah, not at bad. it. Yeah, something, no. something maybe you could look at and lo learn from if you're a team that's struggling in today's <laughs> modern era. That's going to do it for today's edition of Asked and Answered. Thanks, as always, for giving us a listen. If you want to hear your question read, just get it into labs, and hopefully you will hear it on a future episode. For Bob Labriola, I'm Tom Opperman, and we'll talk to you guys next week. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.